From up in the nosebleeds to down to the 50-yard line, wherever you watch the game, this is the place to sound off. Sports Talk with Jock on 770 CHQR. First round of the NHL draft takes place on Friday night in Vancouver. The Calgary Flames with the 26th pick overall as it stands right now. And it's a real pleasure on Sports Talk with Jock to talk about the draft with the Calgary Flames director of amateur scouting. Of course, he's been with this organization for 22 seasons. Todd Button joining us tonight. Hey, Todd, this is your time to shine. Are, Are you excited? I am excited, really excited. Thanks for having me. <laughs> hey, not a problem at all. And and, and I and I got to be honest, like last year, you didn't really get to shine because you didn't get to the party till the fourth round. This year, it's a little bit different. Well, that that's always the exciting part, and you know, scouts want to we want to as many picks as we can. And uh, <laughs> I give credit to my staff because they shone in the. Uh, in the later rounds there with some of the picks they made. Boy, you know, and, and I look at the last, you know, four four drafts, you know, may, maybe not last year's because, you know, it, it's so fresh and recent, but, you know, 2015 with Rasmus Anderson and Oliver Shillington and Andrew Mangiapane, 2016, Matthew Kachuk, Tyler Parsons, Dylan Dubé, Adam Fox, you know, 2017, everybody's talking about Yusuf Valimaki. You know, it, it, it's got to be rewarding when you look back and you say, hmm, those are some pretty good years. Yeah, it's all. I mean, that's our job, right? And that's uh, that's what you take pride in is, is is getting those young guys in the system and giving our development people and our development coaches the, the raw tools and the and the product to work with to make them better to one day to contribute to the NHL Flames. And uh, I think now we always talk about the cap system and how important it is to always have entry level contracts and young players that can contribute and play coming up and uh, ready to take the next step. So, so when you look back, and, and maybe this is an unfair question because you've been with this organization for twenty two seasons, you know. Four years as a scout, ten years as director of scouting, uh, you know, eight years as director of amateur scouting. Is there one draft that really stands out for you that you say, "Wow, uh, we hit that one out of the park"? Well, I think uh, the two eleven draft when we uh, when we we uh, you know took Johnny, but I think uh, there's uh, you know guys in that draft that are uh, are still contributing, albeit being on different teams uh, in mm-hmm. the NHL. And then you, I, I still think some of our recent drafts are going to be. Uh, uh, in, in you know three four years we're going to say that about some of them and I referenced last year because there were fourth round picks and those are the fourth and fifth and we didn't have any in the top uh, 100 and I think we took Martin Post still 104 so um, there's a few drafts that we still haven't uh, gotten the full the full uh, value of them yet and we won't see that for a couple of years but I think last year's throwing all those picks to those scouts and uh, the early signs of what those guys have accomplished has been really good. Yeah, fair enough. I I got to ask you this question, Todd, because you know we'll talk about this year's draft in a second. Uh, the fact that you have worked for six different general managers, I, I'm sure at times that poses some challenges for you, but also some opportunities. Uh, how has it been over the years working with this, so many different general managers? Well, <laughs> it's been good actually. <laughs> you learn a lot from different people, different different styles, different management styles, different leadership styles. Uh, people have come from different bases as far as player personnel or scouts or coaches who are GM. So uh, I've learned from every one of them, and they've all helped me along the way and given me a lot that I still use today as far as uh, how we approach the draft. Um, you know, this is the most uh, – with uh, Daryl, I think, was eight years or seven years, and now Treason is uh, going to go into a six. So I think stability is always important within a scouting staff, and when mm-hmm. you're going forward and you're trying to uh, establish the same thing, when you're changing your criteria, you're changing things every year, it's, it's a more difficult task. And that doesn't change what we do as scouts. We still have to do it. 
But uh, it certainly is uh, when you have a group together for longer periods of time, you can read off each other better. You know what they're thinking. And uh, I think it makes stability in any sense of any organization is important to get the best results you can. And and that does have an effect, doesn't it? Because every general manager, and you don't have to name names, but I'm sure they they all have different philosophies. Absolutely. And that's what I say. Like, yeah. stability. We have the same group, basically, uh, um, for the last, the same core group for the last eight years. And guys who have moved on have moved on because they've gone to better jobs. So uh, Brad McEwen went on to run the uh, Canadian uh, Hockey Canada scouting group. So we haven't been changing over as much as, as we have in the past. And because of stability, I think that's helped us when we talk about players, we're all on the same page when we're talking about their skill level or what their skill is because we all have worked together for so long. So when we look back at the last calendar year for Todd Button, how many how many games have you actually been to in the last 365 days? Oh, I'm going to say uh, it would surprise you, probably north of 200 somewhere. Is that right? Um, but now with, uh, now with video and everything, you can see a lot more. You can watch games. You can watch individual player shifts, right? So I can go see a player twice but still watch him play in six other games. So, you know, you get to you get to where you're – with the the advent of video, especially with amateur scouting in high school, and you get it in junior, you can watch a lot more of the players individually broken down, like almost like you were coaching. Uh, so it's more like it's three to one basically for uh, guy times you see a guy live, and then what you can see on video. But the games are condensed, right? So I could get player A's his his hundred straight shifts of him against different uh, opponents. So it's there's more there's more you can do, but it's not as time costly because you it's broken down video wise yeah no i i can understand that and and, and, I, and I talked to a lot of the cfl guys and, and you know they, they put a lot of merit on the the one-on-one interviews and, and obviously you got to do your research and and talk to coaches and and talk to people you know who have a you know a good book on the individual because you know character comes into play a lot with these kids don't they it, it absolutely does but the bottom line is their biggest job interview is what they do on the ice and I'll be honest with you, this has been a really good group of players this year that we've watched. Um, there's been no guys that we said, oh, my God, this character, there's something wrong here, or what's going on, we've got to do more research. You're always trying to get a baseline of what players' personalities are and how they're best coached and what the pitfalls of drafting, are, it, they, what they may be, how a kid is at home, whether there's divorce in the family, whether there's issues, sick parents, or any issue that could sidetrack a kid, especially what we're talking about 17 year old kids, right? Not 22 or 23 year old, more mentally developed kids. We're talking about 17 year olds. So there is a challenge mentally. So you want to have as much information as you can, but uh, by and large, I'm going to say the character part shows up on the ice. What you see on the ice is usually what you get off the ice as well. Todd Button is the director of amateur scouting for the Calgary Flames. First round of the NHL draft takes place Friday night in Vancouver. I'm going to be honest with you here, Todd. Uh, my best reference is your brother because, you know, I, I go on TSN's website. I, I read Craigslist. I, I talk to Craig, you know, quite a bit here on the show because he's my hockey insider. So, you know, I look at Craigslist, but I'm, you know, h- how close would your list be to, to Craig's? Like, it's probably totally different, eh? Well, well, except for maybe to the top it's a, two. It's, a, it's important <laughs> that you media guys stick together. <laughs> you know that's the fact. But, you know, it's saying that I'm sure Jack Hughes, Capo Caco, you know, whether it's one, one A, uh, you know, one, two, I think everybody's got those two kids at the top. I think so, too. And, and the, <laughs> the, the neat thing about the hardest thing 
The neat thing for us is our list is in public, so uh, we right. don't have to uh, answer to everybody and agent and everything <laughs> and explain everything that happens. So when Craig puts his list out or any public scout puts it out, they're they're not we're immune from the criticism until after we make the pick. So we could have we could have one out of the top hundred right and make that pick right, and everybody says, "Oh, great job!" And we might have had ninety nine of the other guys wrong. But the important thing is, um, you know, you're at the rink, you're doing the job. And uh, you're going to have different opinions. And I think, and you haven't even asked the question yet, but this is where we're picking at 26. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different player types that we could pick from. And yeah. this has been one of those years. I think 2012 was the last time I thought that, wow, there's a lot of different player types. Defensive defense, been big rugged defense, been puck moving defense, been skilled centers, scoring wingers. There's just a different variety okay. of, of player. And, and for us, that's the biggest challenge is to meld those guys into a list and say, okay, we got to order them and say, which is more important. So lots of conversations about that and uh, lots of, uh, lots of debate, but healthy. And we've embraced the challenge so far and we're still at it. Well, and, and that's, and that's a great point because you could even throw a goaltender in there too. Cause everybody's talking about Spencer Knight being a, being a first rounder. You don't know where he is going to, you know, fold out on the, uh, on the draft board and everything from that perspective. But is it, is it a situation where you just, you know, and, and to say, take the best player available, there's probably going to be four or five players that are all in that category uh, when you get to number 26, or do you, or do you p- p- look at a position of need? Uh, no, we're still, we're, we're still in the mindset, best player available, but like I always tell people like, Two years ago, before we drafted Jankowski and uh, Sam Bennett and Monaghan, we we didn't have centers. So you can say, you know, like, yeah, we're going to take best player available, but center position is very important. Defense is very important, right? So you talked about the goalie. So um, it is best player available, but if you're thick in, in uh, center iceman or you're thick in uh, goaltending, you might not take the best player go- available if that player is a goaltender, right? So, right. And I'm not saying we're going either way. All I'm saying is that uh, – Theoretically, yes, we're going to still take the best player available, but it's also very hard to, like I said, the, our challenge right now is melding the different types of players and who that best player is. So is it the best player who's going to play for 15 years but might only be a, you know, a number four defenseman, or is it the best player who's going to have the best seven years of his career and be really high producing but be out of the league in seven years? You know what I mean? So there's so many different factors that, that, uh, that we have to go through, and – like I said, this year, it just seems like 2012 was like that. I remember all the different types of players that we talked about. And this year, maybe it's because you're not picking at the top and, you know, you're looking at a wider group of players that you see that. And the other part is size isn't as big a factor anymore, right? You're not, you're not discounting guys based on size. You're really, like we didn't have, we had discussions about players today who were smaller and bigger and we were comparing them based on their skill and their hockey sense and, and their skating as equals, not because of size. So that's unique to the way the game's going. Yet then you watch the playoffs and you see it is, when you're playing against a team for seven straight games, there is an element of size and compete that raises the bar a little bit. So again, we're, we're fresh off everything that's happened this year and still trying to find the best player available at 26. And that's a different definition for every, every person out there. We in the media, we, we love to uh, project and, and, and take flyers and, and mock drafts. I'm curious with your staff, do, do you guys do a whole bunch of mock drafts too? Because it, it's so tough to, to actually project what the teams in front of you are going to do. No, uh, we don't do a mock draft per se, but we do 
we do analyze depth charts and say, okay, okay this is a position in need. Or you get an idea what guys are out there doing or who's in what position. You know which guys are connected to a certain player or a certain group of players. You know who's not a, not afraid to take uh, um, maybe a higher-risk player or a guy that people are saying he's a faller. But you know the teams that are willing to take risks on players that other teams might not be. You know who are who have a, a staff that is more European um, based. They have some of the people in higher positions are European based. So you, for, for me as a, as a, the leader of the staff and the manager, you try and take all those biases out, but it's still hard. Right. So, um, but you have a, definitely have an idea of what people are thinking and how they're thinking. And you can look at history to see what people do. Sure. So the, the most important thing for us is again, it's, it's not leaving any markers out there that people can say they're going to do that. Right. Or they're going to do that. And it's how you gather your information. But I'm telling you, for the most part, people are pretty sly out there. They keep the cards close to the vest and they throw what they can throw you off the scent as quick as they, as they want. So um, we want it. We want to have an idea what other people are doing more so that we know if we have to jump up or move up, if we want a guy, we can move up or the same in the same token. If we have a group of guys, we think, okay, we can get, you know, we could maybe pick up an extra fourth round pick and move down four spots or something right. like that. Well, and, and that's the beauty because, you know, in your position, you got to be ready for anything, right? Because there is a chance, obviously, your general manager could move up in the draft or, or say, hey, we, we got our eyes on this guy and we think we can get him probably, you know, early second round or something. So mm-hmm. uh, from that perspective, you just follow your list, right? We do. And Trees, but Trees, very, uh, he's really very adamant that we, we have the list in order and that we're not, uh, we're not caught by surprise if he does say out of pick or say somebody phones at the last minute and say, hey, we, you can move to uh, 32 and pick up an extra, like a third or fourth rounder. Mm-hmm. We have to know that group of players is still going to be there at 32. So we go through those scenarios and Trees, very good at, uh, excuse me, Trees, very good at letting us know where he is in different trade talks. But at the end of the day, we have to be prepared for anything, and that's a move up, a move down, or stay right where we are. Uh, Todd Button, Director of Amateur Scouting for the Calgary Flames. I, I won't keep you too much longer, Todd. Really do appreciate your time. I, I know you got uh, you know a team dinner uh, tonight. Uh, maybe just take us through the the next uh, you know forty eight hours before the draft floor. I, I know you had some some meetings with your scouts and the management team today. Uh, what what does tomorrow look like, and and what does Friday morning look like? Well, uh, hopefully we have uh, we're. We're, our book's 98% finished by, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, tomorrow night. We're trying to, uh, again, we're trying to, when we left our main meetings, we had groupings of players that we we're trying to sort out. And now we have all the information. We have the psychological, we have the physical, we have more video, we have more background information. We've watched more games, uh, specifically the Memorial Cup, the World Championship. So um, we're just trying to get everything in, in finite order. We want to make it as... Uh, as rigid as possible for the first, you know, 50, 60 guys. And then we go off the area list after that. But for now, it's uh, it's just the same thing. Grind it out, make sure the list is in order, and then present that to Tree tomorrow night. Bottom line is, if the Calgary Flames stay at uh, number 26, uh, you're confident you're going to get a very good player, whether it's a defenseman, whether it's a forward, whether it's a, it's a goaltender, uh, you, you know you're going to do okay. I, I think I think our guys are ready, and I think the challenge is to get the, the best player we can. But... Uh, all our guys that we have in that area, we're really we're really confident about. Again, it's just picking the the guy that everybody wants the most at that area, and it's uh, that's the challenge we face for the next couple of days. Hey, Todd, uh, this has been fun. Really appreciate your time tonight. Uh, thanks so much, and uh, have fun on Friday night. Okay, thanks, guys. Todd Button, Director of Amateur Scouting for the Calgary Flames, and ran out of time. Should have asked about uh, Mark Giordano, the captain of the Calgary Flames, Norris Trophy winner, undrafted. 
Oh, yeah, one or two always slip through the cracks, right? Uh, this is Sports Talk with Jock. Dark, cloudy skies and 12 degrees in downtown Calgary. Good evening from Global News. It's 730. I'm Courtney Davidson. Federal Finance Minister Bill Morneau says he realizes there's still skepticism over the Trans Mountain Oil Pipeline expansion, even though it's been approved again by his government. Morneau was in Calgary today where he says the federal government is already back at work getting permits for the project. He says the best way to convince the oil patch that the expansion will actually be built is to go ahead and build it. He repeated a commitment made yesterday by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau that work on the expansion will begin this construction season. More than 700 people forced from a remote community in northern Alberta by a wildfire will soon be allowed to go home. Officials say evacuees from the Paddle Prairie Métis settlement can safely return starting on Thursday. Many of these people have been away since May 26th and 14th homes in the area have been destroyed. Global News Calgary weather showers tonight that comes with a risk of a thunderstorm dropping to a low of seven mostly cloudy tomorrow showers likely a high of 12 and Friday overcast with showers and 16 degrees. It's 12 degrees breaking news when it happens our next scheduled news is at eight. I'm Courtney Davidson.